0: Soft drink, soft
1: power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Um, that should be like forget Red Bull gives you wings. Like <laughs> soft drink, soft power. I love it. What's up, everyone? It's hardcore football. I'm Phil Baki. I'm joined as always by my co-host Mika Burrell, Mika. Um, We're back.
0: We're back. And of course so many things have happened that we don't even have the time for tonight, but we'll try. (laughs) Fucking like last time we spoke, I don't think Josie Mourinho was employed again, but he is now and just Yeah. I can't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we back, he back. Everybody Everybody's making comebacks. Um Yeah. Uh, so for those of you finding hardcore football for the first time, um, we, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. Um, a little bit of a different episode. Um, we'll talk some of the champions that have been named across, across, uh, football in Europe here. Um, but we're also going to talk some of those teams that are going to get a chance to play in the top flight next year. Um, As we talk some promotion races and then answer some of your listener questions. So for those of you who have sent them in, thanks a lot. And for those who are like, how do I send in a question? Well, you can find us at hardcore football on Twitter. Um, You just hit us up there and uh, yeah, we'll talk about, you know, select questions on the, on the podcast. Um, So thank you all for sending those in. Um, and if, uh, you found us through Twitter and you want to know where you can subscribe to the podcast, basically any major podcast platform, uh, they'll have us hardcore football and you can find us and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just dive right into it. I guess, Mika, we've got a ton to talk about, but we can start with, the, there's been a bunch of, of champions' names. Some of these title races have been decided. Last time we recorded, Inter had just secured the Scudetto. Um, and now uh, Bayern Munich, the first to claim a another major uh, European league title. Um, they get another Bundesliga, um, despite some of their early season struggles. Um, in the end, pretty comfortably won over, over the likes of RB Leipzig.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, some of these titles have been decided for quite some time, and I think that was certainly the case in the Bundesliga. So cra- congratulations, Bayern, or the Meisterschale for the ninth year in a row, I believe.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and Hansi Flick, you know, that's a nice parting gift for the fans, uh, as he will likely move on to, I guess, the Germany job, although the German Federation is a complete mess, and that's a yeah. podcast in and of itself. So, um <laughs> Yeah, he will join in. Of course, Julian Leipzig or Julian Leipzig, Jesus. Julian Nagelsmann of Leipzig will come in and <laughs> uh, take over this Bayern side, and they'll probably continue to dominate. So, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much all that can be said. I think about about Bayern.
1: Yeah, Leipzig uh, sending <laughs> sending Nagelsmann and uh, Upamecano uh, to right. Bavaria. So, yeah, a nice little package deal um, for for the <laughs> champions, but. We'll. I mean, we'll see what you know what happens with Bayern. I think. I mean, it was Juve's nine straight. They could not get to ten. Um, True. So True. it'll be interesting to see if they can get the uh, that tenth straight uh, league title next season. But um, yeah, so the focus for the Bundesliga obviously shifts to that to that race for top four, which is primarily just Eintracht, who we've talked about all season have dropped to fifth and now sit below Borussia Dortmund and uh, are a point outside of the Champions League spots. And so I am I find myself, I mean, I have a soft spot for Dortmund. I obviously like, you know, a big Jurgen Klopp fan, but yeah. this Eintracht team deserves to be in the Champions League.
0: I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was starting to get invested in it because, you know, we had discovered that they'd never been in the big show before. So that would have been fun we're Wolfsburg though. Cause they're my other, like they're other third. Hope. Okay. All they're right. third. They're they're still they still in with a shout.
1: Yeah. Two point two point gap between them and Dortmund. Um, and, uh, but I mean, between the three Wolfsburg, Dortmund and Eintracht, any of the three could be in or out at this point.
0: Yeah. A lot. And I mean, it's crucial for Dortmund to get in. They kind of need to, or else they stand to lose a lot of those, starlets as they as they say I hate that word I don't know why I just used it but you know
1: (laughs) but Dortmund did get a a piece of silverware uh just today um they defeated Nagelsmann Nagelsmann's RB Leipzig in the DFB Pokal final um and a big German cup victory for for Dortmund and Aiden Terzic in his his last you know few games in charge
0: yeah, yeah, that the huge obviously victory 4-1 over over uh Red Bull. Um I mean, it's it's great that they can end the season with some silverware having not been able to progress in the Champions League and obviously falling away in the league and maybe dropping into Europa if things go south um with, you know, the handful of games left, but um obviously it's always nice to win a Poka. Personally, I think it's like the nicest trophy like aesthetically. <laughs> in continental <laughs> europe i love that trophy it's um, like a chalice it is with that like big green like jewel i don't know it's really nice i like the the meister Schala too the, the bundesliga is really nice as well but uh that's neither here nor there um congratulations to bvb obviously um and edin terzic we had a question in the dms from renee and just asking like you know surely terzic is, is done now and actually i think he's supposed to be on Marco coaching staff next season. So. I mean, he won't be the main guy, but I think he is sticking around, so that'll give yeah. this this side some continuity with the uh, new manager coming in.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic. Whenever someone gets a chance at a at a you know main manager job, um, whether they'd be satisfied going back to being you know part of a staff, um, and clearly in his case, he's he's comfortable with it, um, and and maybe uh, Rosas made some you know, promises or, or made some, you know, uh, just some assurances to that staff about, about what he plans to do that they're on board with. But, um, but yeah, it will be great for that squad to have that, that connection. Um, because so often it's, you know, the Jose Mourinho style where, you know, it's, it's completely scorched earth and he brings in his whole staff and, you know there is no one left from the previous regime it, you know whatever right sack <laughs> it's like, the
0: whole like coaching staff yeah exactly
1: <laughs> it's the bathists but <laughs> <laughs> anyways oh god um well moving moving from germany i mean this this title speaking of title races that have been decided for a while um and and you know m- more of a formality in the way it played out um and a matter of time manchester city named english premier league champions after after united lost to leicester on tuesday um and this was in the works for a long time um and similar to last season in that uh the champion named um you know without actually being on the on the pitch
0: yeah, they have a penchant for that. It's kind of strange. They want to win it like emphatically. Um, I mean, you know what is that? Three Premier League titles now for Pep in in a league where many thought he couldn't adapt his tactics and his, and his football wouldn't work. I mean, clearly that's not been the case. He has right. dominated English football. Um, you know, pretty much won everything, and uh, now they're going for a Champions League, so they can do the they can do a treble. So, yeah, um, I mean, it wouldn't be with the FA Cup, but they can do a trouble with that includes the European Cup, potentially. And uh, I think they're well placed to to play that Champions League final, having now won and two trophies. It's it's just winning season now for Manchester City. And, you know, people like to make a lot about the money spent. And that's fair. You know, the outlay sure. that's been, you know, put on some of these players is quite significant. But we've seen with other clubs that spending money is not just the. That's not the end all be all. You still have to make those pieces work, and I think Pep Guardiola and his, his and and everyone at the, at the club have have certainly done that, and have you know, yes, the money is from you know dubious sources, but the money's been used <laughs> very well. Let's let's just say that. I mean, I think yeah. that's just objectively true. So um, I don't see them you know failing to win another title or two or three again. I mean, this is a really strong side and yeah, see I see them dominating English football and continuing to do so for for years to come. So.
1: Yeah, I think the consistency this year even through some of the challenges that they faced um, you know, they obviously benefited to a certain extent from some of the other challenges, uh, you know, not naming names, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) but no, they, they, uh, you know, they run out deserved winners in the end. And, um, it'll be really interesting to see how teams try to, you know, use this very odd season and this very odd off season to try to, to try to compete with them. Um, one of the interesting things of this end of the premier league season is obviously you know the attention has turned to the race for top 4 and suddenly liverpool who basically were dead and buried in the in the race for top 4 now find themselves just three point or sorry four points back of chelsea in fourth with a game in hand um so they have a chance if chelsea slip up to to get into that fourth spot but also find themselves in the uncomfortable position of rooting for Manchester city in the European final, because <laughs> if Chelsea drop out of the top four, but win the final, then Liverpool would actually potentially not go to the champions league final based on who wins the Europa league final. So oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, right now the, their best case scenario would actually be to pip Chelsea to fourth and have city win the champions league.
0: But is that like totally unpalatable? I mean, I, I
1: oh, I'd I mean, okay either choice it. is basically just like you know, it's any I mean, Liverpool I say fan. It
0: right now, I'm I'm all I'm all in on City winning the Champions League because it means nothing to me when they win trophies. Yes, <laughs> you yeah, know what I
1: mean? it's like, true. It's
0: almost like it's not real.
1: <laughs> the rest <laughs> of I, I, you know, it is. It's funny. I saw a tweet along those lines where it's like. Every time that City win the Premier League, it's because every other team has just decided like, okay, let's just re- hit the reset button and <laughs> start again next season. Um, yeah, it, it it isn't as painful, I think, for fans when a team like City wins it just because of that lack of animosity that they they just haven't had the, the history to build that animosity like these other teams have. Whereas, obviously, for an Arsenal fan, seeing Chelsea win trophies is just like disgusting.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm all in on city. The Champions <laughs> League. Bucket.
1: I mean, now I am too. And that's, that's, yeah, that's what a
0: how world! what a world. Like look, look what you've
1: done to me. <laughs> like, you <laughs> made me around. like this. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how things play out. Obviously, you know, Shout out to Liverpool getting that win over United today, so...
0: United having a bad week.
1: Well, and, yeah. I mean, I don't want to dive... Like, they're in a bad spot, right? Like, they are they they should not be in a position where they're playing four games in seven days.
0: Yeah, that's not cool at all.
1: Um, that's not cool at all. I true. hate Manchester United. As Obviously. a Liverpool fan, you know, no love lost, but that is a bad situation to be in. But... At the same time, like they rotated completely against Leicester in a way that is like bordering on match fixing.
0: (laughs) You think so? I wasn't shocked at all. I was really surprised by the reactions. I was like, "Yeah, what are you gonna do?" I mean, well,
1: that's the thing. Is like, I think, I think it's just the way I think about it is like, if it happened, if the games weren't whatever you know as close to each other, then like it would be. I know that it's enforced by circumstances. I'm not like blind to yeah, that. Yeah. Um but it was a mutually beneficial situation where Leicester needed a win to like gain some ground in the top 4 like to solidify their spot in the top 4. United don't didn't really need the points. Um and then That's could true. and then could start a more rested side against Liverpool. And so I'm just glad that Liverpool won because like they started that really weak inside against Leicester to kind of like, hoe Liverpool. Um, <laughs> and it didn't work. Um, the so that's
0: certainly tried to hoe Liverpool as well with those <laughs> <laughs> protests
1: and, <laughs> and, uh, and man. blocking the road. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah, without getting too much deeper into it, like this season, I just don't have a ton of sympathy for like, Oh, fixture congestion. Cause like we started a, like, National League North center back today at Old Trafford. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, fair, enough. fair <laughs> enough. the, the one title race, uh, that was decided this week that was outside of the major five leagues, um, that really like catches the eye because of the situation the club has been through recently and all of the just turmoil and things that they went through. Add on a 19-year title drought, um, and you get the awesome story of Sporting Clube de Portugal, who lock up a Liga Nos uh, title today with their or, uh, with their one 0 win um, over Boa Vista just a couple of days ago. So, um, pretty amazing story for for a team that's been. Obviously, outside of that limelight of the big, the big two um, in Portugal uh, for now to you know almost two decades.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, nineteen years in waiting uh, for another title. Uh, Benfica and Porto have basically just been trading it amongst each other over those two decades, and it's huge for Sporting because it, it feels like just yesterday their fans were attacking their players at the training. Ground. Yeah. So uh, what a turnaround. Uh, for sporting and and now now that they've won the title there's like shouts for cristiano ronaldo to come home so i mean might be an attractive option because they'll be in the champions league whereas juventus might not be <laughs> so and apparently his mom is like yeah he's coming back
1: <laughs> oh my god the idea of ronaldo Going back to sporting to get Champions League football is just wild. Um,
0: that's that's actually a whole timeline, isn't it? Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's unbelievable. Um, no, and I think I think just the the manner in which um, the manner in which sporting went about it too, just like professionally throughout the season. Um, this is the first of these title races, though, where you really feel for the fans that haven't been able to to be there as they achieve something yeah. like so historic and dramatic.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's certainly something that we can't ignore is that they're having to celebrate this title without their fans in the stadium. And speaking of title winners and fans, shout out Ajax because they too have not had fans at the Johan Cruyff Arena and they won yeah. the league. Yeah. And uh melted down the trophy into 42,000 separate stars for their fans, for their season ticket holders to have a piece of it literally. So that made the rounds this week too and that, that I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was just a just a pretty incredible way to to try to share in that that triumph um with the fans not being able to to be there um and just acknowledging the impact of the fans even in a season where the fans haven't been haven't been allowed to have the impact they normally do um there in person, right. so yeah that's that is such a cool uh acknowledgement and um i x you know claiming the title again you know just yeah, uh, obviously continued <laughs> continued dominance um of the air divisie um but we have some ongoing title races and La Liga is one of them. La Liga is going down to the absolute wire. Levante ensured that the league is gonna <laughs> is it going to remain I. Like <laughs> I as fuck. <laughs> I love
0: that.
1: Uh that game that game was just absolutely drunk. Um the three three against Barcelona.
0: Yeah, I'm telling you, uh, Levante, they just rise to the occasion. They love to troll the big sides. I mean, truly. <laughs> They've taken points off all three of the, the big ones this season. And, um, you know, they'll stay comfortably up in La Liga. And I I really like that Levante side, to be fair. Um, but, yeah, that, that weekend that the top four all played each other, all draws <laughs> Sevilla, and Real Madrid 3-3, and then Barca Atleti 0-0. And then today... Real Madrid thrashed Granada, so they're still in it. Atleti got the two-one win and in some like kind of scary circumstances against Real Sociedad over the weekend, or you know earlier this week. So, yeah, La Liga. Although it is looking like Atleti's, but with a slight like Real Madrid chance. So yeah, um, we'll see. I think Sevilla and, and Barca are probably, probably out of it, but uh, who knows?
1: Yeah, two points between the Madrid sides, so it's. It's all right there with two games to play, um but La liga announced a a big deal outside of outside of the pitch um an eight year broadcast deal with e s p n that will see uh all la liga matches on e s p n plus in and some select segunda matches will be on the platform as well, and the promotion playoffs from the Segunda, will all be broadcast on ESPN+. So a pretty amazing deal for um, fans of Spanish football in the U.S. Um, and ESPN+, Plus just continues to build an impressive catalog of, of leagues.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, with the loss of Serie A, they, they were really front-footed in trying to get another league in there, and La Liga is... Huge. I mean, um, I, huge worldwide, but I think definitely could stand to grow a bit more in the United States. And I've always said that with a with a decent broadcast partner, they probably could do that because they've already got Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atleti are, are building their worldwide fan base. And there's a lot to like about La Liga, honestly. And yeah. more Americans are starting to play. I mean, Sergio Dest is there. Um, so... So yeah, I think it's awesome, and I I love La Liga. So this is I saw this and was like inject it immediately. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's awesome.
1: And they'll put. I mean, they they also said as part of the deal that they are going to put s- select games on over the air ESPN networks, and so you can expect a Clasico is going to be on ESPN or you know like well probably flagship ESPN, um, which yeah. will be that will do unbelievable numbers in the U S compared to, you know, the, the games that are currently available, like it will rival champions league games um, in terms of the amount of people tuning in and with it being not streaming and some, some over the air um, I expect it'll, it'll just be a huge boom for, for La Liga.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, being sports has had so many issues in the United States with like carriage, Carriage issues of just yeah. different um, different providers dropping them because they're really they've been kind of greedy over the years, um, or the the broadcasters themselves have been greedy, and so the deals have just fallen apart. So it's awesome to see that they're joining a stable uh, a broadcaster that that honestly has for my for me they've given a really good experience in terms of like the Bundesliga and, and Serie a and FA Cup. Like the 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 app is very. Reliable. Um, the quality is good. Um, they have all the matches. I mean, it's, yeah. it's going to be fantastic.
1: the other league. Uh, and we got a question about League 1, um, from at go 21, Grant Sundberg on Twitter, uh, is League 1 shopping for a new network after the La Liga announcement. Um, and this is a little bit of a complicated question when it comes to broadcasting French football.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was well-documented earlier in the year that the uh, French domestic broadcasting rights completely fell apart and threw the league into chaos because they do rely heavily on that broadcasting revenue. All the league, all the teams in league, 1 do. Um, I mean, I think in the context of La Liga, it's important to to remember that Bien and La Liga are still very much partners on the global scale because Bien still has the rights in a lot of other countries. Um, so, I think with Ligue 1, that relationship is probably even more <laughs> closely intertwined, given the, the connection between, uh, you know, the biggest club in France and PSG, who are whose chairman is Nasser Al-Khelaifi, and, and he also runs Bn Group. So, yeah, um, I don't know that we see Ligue 1 on an ESPN or a Paramount soon, um, but I mean, surely, given what what happened with the domestic rights deal, they'll probably want to take a look at what's going on in in these emerging markets and, and, and try to try to get more American eyes on it. Cause they also have a lot of North American talent now playing their trade in, in the French league, like Jonathan David and um, Tim Weah and, and the like. So, I hope so because I'm so. I mean, if we could cancel VN like fully, like, please. Yeah. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bring Phil Shane and Ray Hudson somewhere, but like, right. I'm good with not having to like have these obscure apps so that I can watch things on BN Sports, to be fair.
1: Yeah. Copa Libertadores to espn plus please um please, like, <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, well i think maybe paramount plus might be the destination if they've already grabbed the argentine superliga and and you know uh True. and the brazilian um Campionato Serie A and all that stuff so anyways um yeah the weird thing about liga un's rights with bn is that they're actually subcontracted essentially to like Canal Plus owns the rights to the domestic rights to broadcast Siria or League Un games and they handed it off to BN. They actually pay BN four hundred million dollars to sub license to sublicense the rights to uh League Un. And they wow. Canal Plus told League Un basically like, we're just gonna pay them to do it, and you need to come back to us with like a better deal. Um for your media rights um or, or we'll just keep sublicensing it like we're not actually going to do anything with it um so yeah they're getting they're getting beat around right now and and their giant broadcast deal with Media Pro was supposed to be this like game changer for French football a billion dollars a year and uh they made the mistake of they put all the league games on one channel um and they were only broadcasting eight games per week. Um, mm-hmm. so they weren't broadcasting every league un game. They were broadcasting eight league un and eight league de games a week on one channel that cost thirty bucks a month um and you there was no other content on it. It was just those just games, the games. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you were paying the- thirty
1: bucks a month for sixteen yeah. matches a week, and yeah, not getting much like value for your for your dollar or your no. euro i guess
0: right and then of course they missed their first like big payment and the jig was up from there so
1: yeah so it's a yeah. lot more unfortunately granted it's a lot more complicated when legal shopping for networks because they right they don't even have their domestic shit sorted let alone um any it's just sort of like
0: aggressively french over there like
1: <laughs> <laughs> um but despite all that un remains absolutely lit at the moment because what we didn't speak about, we, we, (laughs) we did talk about, well, I mean, PSG drawing Ren, uh, and it's, it means that Lille take a three point lead into the second to the last match day. Um, and the last two match days in France, much like the last two match days in Germany are in the, conference style of every single match is played at the yeah. same time um Stressful. so the results of psg ream and Lille san etienne are going to be happening simultaneously um and some very exciting moments as potentially with a psg loss and a Lille win the title could be wrapped up
0: Oh, my God. Please, Lille, take all my energy. <laughs> um, and I think PSG still have the distraction of the Coupe de France, right? They do. They just knocked out, like, a fourth division side on penalties. On penalties. <laughs> <get to> penalties, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. So, I think, ah, man, I think and I hope that Lille will have it in the bag.
1: Yeah, they... Uh... Oh, well, they took out they took out Montpellier in the last one. Um,
0: oh, it was the round before that that I was thinking yeah. of then, yeah. But they took Montpellier to yeah.
1: And it was yeah, Sorry. six five on penalties, and that was just yesterday. So they've got um the French Cup final um next Wednesday against can you believe, uh Monaco. Can you if that
0: was the only trophy that PSG won this season, that would be like absolutely <sighs>
1: I don't know. I I would feel, I would honestly like, I don't have that big of a soft spot for Pochettino. Like many, like many, like less, I guess yeah. partisan fans do, but, um, I would feel for him if that's all he comes away with, because <laughs> that's going to paint hit the start of his tenure in such a negative light.
0: Surely it would. Yeah. Wow.
1: um, but yeah, we've been obviously like, you know, with Mika's spot, soft spot for Lille and just like my soft spot for teams who aren't PSG winning the French title. Um, <laughs> I I think, um, you know, we've obviously put a lot of energy into into that. And we're really excited by the prospect of uh, the human cheat code. Burak Yilmaz leading leading Lille to <laughs> leading Amazing. Lille to a title. Um Amazing. But there are a bunch of teams who are just looking for a shot to play in the top flight in their respective countries. Um, So moving from title races in the top division to title races in the second, um, I I want to start in England. The title race at the top may not have been that interesting in the Premier League, but at the bottom, obviously, relegation races and all that stuff's been interesting. And who will replace those relegated teams has been interesting. And we now know two of the teams that will be joining uh, the Premier League next season, the first of which is Daniel Farka's Norwich City.
0: Yeah, welcome back to the Canaries. (laughs) Uh, They bounce right back up, as they often do, to be fair. Um, Norwich City is simply too good for the championship. I mean, they play exciting attacking football, front-footed football, I think they were really helped out by the fact that they kept most of their big players after yeah. their, their premier league relegation. Uh, you know, the likes of Amy Pointia, who's been incredible this season, Timo pokey, Max Ahrens, uh, Todd Cantwell, I'm sure I'm thinking, you know, Grant Hanley and things like that. So, I mean, they're a very well run club. I think they were smart to keep Daniel Faca, even though he did get relegated because I mean, it's not that he did anything particularly wrong. I think that, uh, I think that they just were ill-equipped defensively for the Premier League and you know one thing I will say is while they play that exciting attacking football I think that actually was their downfall the, the last time they came up because For sure. They're so used to playing that style and being on the ball and when you come up against better teams in the Premier League who play that way you're completely out of sorts cuz you're not allowed to play your way. Right. Um and and then when you do try to you get exposed. So I think this time around they'll be better equipped to come up to the preg- Premier League now that Farquhar has had that experience of being relegated. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I picked them to survive. Uh, I think that they're a better team than they were when they came up last time in in terms of experience because there's still a lot of those key pieces still there. Uh, so, yeah, welcome back to the Canaries.
1: <laughs> yeah, P- Pookie and, and Bundy, as you said, the main men. And um, Pookie went straight back down to the championship and did exactly what he did before, which is (laughs) score a shitload of goals, uh, 26 goals for, for the Finn and, and Bundia and added an additional 15, um, and just a very potent, uh,
0: and a ton of assists too, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Emmy Bundia, uh, had yeah, 15 goals, 17 assists. Um, outrageous. Yeah. So, between them, though, and, and something I think that it has to be said, in a season that obviously a lot of people were really impacted in terms of availability and, and everything, Timu Pukki made 41 appearances in the
0: championship. In a 42-game <laughs> yeah. season. That, yeah, the championship is brutal in terms of... It's brutally non-pandemic times in terms of just how many fixtures there are and how demanding it is, so that that's incredible. yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, you can you can tell how many you can tell how many appearances and how many games these clubs play simply by Tim Cruel starting yeah. keeper uh made 36 appearances in all competitions. Um Michael McGovern uh their backup keeper made 10 appearances in all Which competitions. Like a shit
0: ton that's for, a lot <laughs> for, for a backup, backup
1: keeper <laughs> and their third string keeper made two appearances. So yeah, they, uh, that's how grueling wow. this, this is, um, with them playing, you know, upwards of 50 games. Um, shout out to, to max errands for appearing in 45 of them. Um, great in all competitions,
0: too. great player. They'll have, a, they'll have trouble holding on to him, I think, but yeah,
1: yeah. Well, the team joining Norwich in second place in that automatic promotion spot was Watford and, uh, another, another returnee in terms of, uh, returning back. And it, I think it has to be said when you're looking at, when you're looking at Watford, um, another case of keeping hold of some of those big pieces, uh, that led them to the premier league, you know, the, the first time around,
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, look no further than, than Ismail Assar, who was you know linked with clubs like Liverpool, Manchester United, you know, those kind of clubs. He, he ends the season, well, he probably will end the season as the top goal scorer. I think as of the time of recording, he's got 13 goals for um, Watford. And I think the key to this Watford side is just how much of a fortress Vicarage Road was this season. 18 wins from 22 matches at Vicarage Road. That's the best home team in the championship by far um and and on top of that they've conceded the least goals of the top six sides of the championship with 30 as of right now so fortress defensively solid while still being able to put the ball in the back of the net i mean that's that's all you can really ask for when you're trying to come back up to the premier league and unlike norwich city this is i believe watford's first time bouncing straight back up from the championship in five promotions so yeah um you know, breaking a little bit of a bad spell in that, in that situation specifically. And they also had a little bit more instability in the season, having had to fire their manager and bring in Chisco Munoz, who's been incredible. I mean, he's only 40. He was playing, he was playing five years ago and now he's managed Watford to a promotion. Um, he won a championship manager of the month award for, for March, 2021 after five straight wins and, you know, in a higher and fire culture at Watford, he'll be continuing in the premier league next season. So I think that that's a lot of faith placed in him by the Pozzo family that they're giving him the the shot to, to, to carry on at Watford in the premier league.
1: And yeah, where Norwich are really defined or at least uh, in this championship are primarily defined by the amount of goals they score. Although this season they were quite defensively solid as well. Um, Watford's return of they, they allowed 30 goals in 46 games.
0: Insane. Like, yeah, very solid, (laughs) very solid indeed. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, they played 16 more games than they allowed goals. So just like unbelievable, um, at the back (laughs) and, uh, yeah, not quite the goal return, but a, a similar dynamic to some of the teams that came up from the championship last year where, you know, the high flyers um of uh of oh my god, what am I of Leeds like, you know, obviously, you know, right. big big time attackers and even West Brom to an extent were really contrasted with Fulham who made their mark on strictly being a frustrating as hell team to play. Um, so Watford kind of following more so in the Fulham, in the Fulham vein than uh, than in a Leeds vein.
0: Yeah. And I, I personally am just really happy that Watford are coming back up because this is such a random thing, but Vicarage road is like the most aesthetically pleasing stadium <laughs> like on TV. Like it's just so unique looking and yeah. uh, I love that it's like, not quite a London club, but it's around there. Uh they and they're just a really unique club. Um and I'm I'm happy they're back personally.
1: Yeah, it it is good to see the Hornets return. Um, although sometimes Liverpool's record against them not always not always the best. Uh some True. some really weird True. games. Uh well <laughs> same with Arsenal memory. to
0: be fair. I think our last time at at Vicarid was a loss, so uh oh, dear.
1: the, Playoffs are also set though, um, mm. as we, we are getting ready to play the playoff semifinals. So in the championship, the, the teams third through sixth, uh, get paired up together, um, in a, in a mini playoff, two legged semifinals followed by a, 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 just a one-off final at Wembley. Um, so the playoff matchups a little bit interesting for fans of both the Premier League who have obviously watched in recent seasons and for American fans specifically in that the first matchup Barnsley Swansea City features uh as as Grant uh asked another question uh does Daryl Dyke get a deal with Barnsley regardless of promotion Daryl Dyke who plied his trade in MLS uh made the move to Barnsley and now has a shot at, at promotion to the Premier League
0: yeah, uh, he's exploded onto the championship scene, to be fair. Nine goals in 19 games on loan from Orlando City, as you said, and obviously been a revelation for Barnsley because, I mean, this se- this side was also almost relegated last season, and yeah. now they're in the playoffs and potentially coming up to the Premier League. Um, I think they're actually a little bit even more Fulham-like in the sense that they're very much a gritty defensive side. They play three at the back, and – yeah. Um, the event stats do say that they are for real though, in terms of where they are in the table. Um so they, they deserve to be in this playoff race, um, and and potentially coming up. But uh yeah, I think the one thing that will give them the edge perhaps in against Swansea City is that they announced today that they Barnsley will be hosting fans for the uh semi the semifinal legs. So that could be a big uh big boot for them
1: during the season uh Swansea actually did the double over Barnsley with two two nil wins um so they may have a little bit of a mental edge in in that they right. have they have one but it is tough when you face a team you know a handful of times during a season we i think we see it across different cup competitions when teams get matched up and um yeah. if a team you know plays in any additional competitions then it it can get tough when you play a team three or four times in a season to to continue to keep that that sort of edge over them.
0: Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing too about Swansea is that they've, I mean, obviously Andrew Iu has been or Andre Iu, excuse me, has been an incredible. Fifteen goals for assists. Jamal Lowe has fourteen goals as well. So they've been spreading the goals around. But um, the advanced stats, on the other hand, say that Swansea have overperformed and should probably be somewhere closer to thirteenth. So. I think yeah. it has a lot to do with those individual performances. So we'll see, you know, in a, in a one-off or you know these legged ties. Um, if those advanced stats come out to play and and show that maybe Barnsley can get the edge and and perform a little bit better, but yeah, I mean, it, it does say something that Swansea have, have defeated them twice. And to answer Grant's question does does Daryl get a, a deal with Barnsley regardless of promotion? I haven't seen anything definitively to say otherwise the only thing i've seen about a uh, transfer was there was some potential drama with orlando about recalling him before the playoffs which i thought would have been a complete dick move but (laughs)
1: um
0: they've luckily that hasn't happened so daryl can uh you know have an impact for barnsley potentially in his playoff tie. but i mean i don't know i i think he's i think he's certainly good enough obviously to play in europe and um you know would be backwards at this point to go back to the united states and uh in terms of the U S men's national team, he certainly adds something that I don't think any other striker has in terms of just being like a big modern target, man, you know, uh, a little bit more, I think, I think he offers a little bit more than, than a Josie Altidore, but has a lot of those same attributes as well. So I don't know. I guess it remains to be seen what, what they do at, at Barnsley with him. I think it would be cool if he he stays and and continues to play in England, but yeah, we'll see.
1: The, these two matchups are a little bit interesting because Barnsley Swansea city are two more defensive teams that tried to, and Barnsley it's actually even tough to kind of call Barnsley a defensive side. Cause they scored 58 and allowed 50, um, in 46 <laughs> games. Whereas, you know, Swansea, you could probably make a little bit more of a case. They only allowed 39 goals. Um, so they are a little bit more of a defensive side. The other semifinal matches up two of the highest scoring teams in the championship. And the only team that scored uh, more goals than Bournemouth this season, or the only two teams, were Norwich and their opponents in the semifinal, Brentford. Um, <laughs> so it matched up the two high flyers. I, Mika, I don't know about you, but I wish this was the playoff final.
0: This, well... I do, and I – yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I think, I, I think I'm think i with you there because this is vibey as fuck. Yes. Bournemouth <laughs> versus Brentford, like, these are two teams that are just vibes. Bournemouth was just vibes. Those vibes got them relegated uh, from the Premier League. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, going through the sides, I mean, Bournemouth, obviously Dominic Solanke has found form with this Bournemouth side, 15 goals, 8 assists. Yeah. Arnott Yuma as well, 15 goals, 7 assists. They're arguably, Bournemouth are arguably the best midfield in the playoffs uh, with yeah. Philip Billing and Jefferson Lerma, two full internationals for, for Denmark and Colombia, respectively, if I'm not mistaken. And and there's plenty of Premier League quality up and down the squad. They're just kind of on a poor run of form in the league right now, uh, so I don't know how much that plays into um, their, their focus going into this, this playoff with Brentford, but I mean... I'm going to give it to you, Phil, to talk about Brentford, because I know you've got a soft spot for the (laughs) bees. They have been a story and a half again this season.
1: I wanted this Brentford team in the Premier League last season. Mm. Um, I think as much as I I know people have a soft spot for Fulham in the U.S. because of like some American connections. And and I know we talked about this when it happened, um, but to me this brentford side have done an incredible job um despite the pandemic despite you know everything to come so close to promotion and lose your top scorer in ali yeah. watkins um on a you know big money move to to villa and and rightfully so like ali deserved a shot at at going to the premier league and it has shown that he is you know premier league quality um to bounce back and be in contention for promotion again um, the next season, despite all that, um, just shows that I think they've they've built something pretty pretty kind of unbelievable um, for a club yeah. of Brentford's stature. They're you know consistently competing for promotion, and they're right on the cusp of of going to the Premier League. They finished third for a second season in a row. Um, I think this team, obviously, they've been driven by Ivan Tony, who had basically stepped into Ollie Watkins spot and just said, yeah, I'll just do what he did. 31 goals, 10 assists. <laughs> like, he's been he
0: broke the record for most goals scored in a championship season. Like let's yeah.
1: just <laughs> put that out there. Yeah. And he moved from Peterborough, um, in September, you know, unheralded, uh, former Newcastle product who was on loan to every team under the sun and just never broke through. Um, <laughs> Yeah, gets the center forward position in, in this Brentford side and absolutely explodes. Um, so there's, I don't know, there's something in the water over there in West London. Um,
0: <laughs> new stadium, right?
1: Yeah, brand new stadium, which what a year to open a brand new stadium. Um,
0: I know, man, that's <laughs>
1: fucking trash. Um, but Brentford, as I said, second most goals scored in, in the league. Um, and I think it's just a case of it's a case of like revenge uh, for this Brentford side. I don't think they, I I think they will have felt extremely hard done by being beaten in the playoff final by that Fulham side. Yeah. Um,
0: That game was brutal.
1: Yeah. They got, they got, they got parkered. Um, (laughs) It was as if Scott Parker was playing in the game himself. So, um, yeah. the question, the question we got was from, from Pat Ariola. He just said, does Brentford have a solid shot at promotion? And if they make it, will they last longer than Huddersfield town? I think, so, yeah. I think they have a solid shot for sure, because I mean, they are, thir- you know, they finished third, they finished four points back of Watford, um, in the championship season, which grand scheme, you know, a couple of games here and there, a couple of results, they're far and away in terms of 79 goals allowed, 42 or 42 allowed, 79 scored. They are an exciting team that still does, plays decent defense. Um, and they should have an advantage against those teams below them. It's just a matter of like if they make if they make it past Bournemouth, which is not a done deal, Bournemouth's an extremely good side. But if they if they do make it, will they get over that? what will definitely be another, another team that sets up to frustrate them in the final, because whoever it is out of Swansea and, and Barnsley, they're not going to go try to go toe to toe with a high flying attack. Like, like Brentford, they're going to sit in a low block just like Fulham did. And I think they will literally watch tape of that final to, to see what they need to do. Um, Which
0: is wait for a mistake to be fair.
1: Yeah. 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 And uh, this this Brentford side have it in them, unfortunately. So it's um, yeah, it it's tough to call as far as their longevity in the Premier League. I think the club has shown that they make extremely good decisions. I don't know if that means that they'll survive um, a season in the Premier League, uh, but I do think they'll be entertaining as hell while they go about it if they make it.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. The only thing that I would say about their promotion chances specifically is that the stats and the history are not on their side. Brentford have never won any of the nine promotion playoffs they've been a part of, and the third-place team in the championship actually rarely goes up. Yeah. So... Yeah, we have that. It doesn't mean that it's a sure thing that they won't. But um, and and I think that they're better placed than they were last season. Actually, in a lot of ways. I mean, they still kept a lot of pieces on, on top of adding Ivan Tony. They kept guys like Brian Embuemo, who had eight goals, ten assists. Josh Da Silva, former Arsenal Hill and boy, and mainstay yeah. in Bradford's midfield. Um, so yeah, I mean, this, this, this Brentford side has quality up and down, but Bournemouth Brentford, that's just like vibes, like whatever happens, it'll be entertaining. I do, yeah. I do kind of want, I, 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 kind of wish Bournemouth and Brentford could both go up because <laughs> right. I do like Bournemouth because <laughs> they're like a, this small, like unassuming club that, that are, are bigger than the sum of their parts, but Brentford, I think it's their time. I think they deserve a shot if they can get past uh, these teams.
1: Bournemouth. Uh- I would I would trade I'd bite your hand off if you offered me a trade of whoever loses Bournemouth Brentford goes up as in place of Burnley
0: I knew you were gonna say that
1: <laughs> that's just give me Bournemouth or Brentford in place of Burnley as the fourth promoted team
0: <laughs> we're we're relegating Burnley on like mo- on morality on, yeah. on, <laughs> just on vibes it's the right
1: like, thing yeah <laughs>
0: we just it has to be done we have sentenced your
1: (laughs) we have sentenced your vibes to the championship like
0: (laughs) oh man
1: dice out of the premier league immediately um
0: goodness
1: (laughs) well that's the championship do you have do you have a, a prediction of who you think goes up out of these out of these four
0: i don't know why i get the vibe of Swansea city. Like I I just feel like it's time for a Welsh club to be back. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I think, Oh, I mean, maybe because Andre Ayu has premier league experience um, and he's an old head there and they've, they've improved defensively over the team that made the playoffs last season. So, um, I don't know. I mean, truly, I think this is one of the most high quality playoff, like, Groups that we've seen in, in, in a while, yeah. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be like disappointed with any one of them. What about you? You have any pr- predictions?
1: I I mean, I I'm a little close to it. I think I I really do yeah. pull for Brentford. Um, I think I I honestly I don't know. I I hope that the winner of Bournemouth Brentford goes up. That's my that's my hope. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. That that like on footballing. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And it's nothing to do.
1: It's nothing to do with like. I don't hate Barnsley or Swansea. I just think, in terms of quality added to the Premier League, either of those teams going up would be a a quality addition. One
0: hundred percent.
1: Moving on to another another promotion race and one that is running extremely close. We don't have any decisions in this race yet. (laughs) The uh, Zweite Bundesliga, the the second the second league in Germany has a four way title race on um as <laughs> as we have <laughs> okay. the top two separated by a single point uh with two games to go and uh Groy- Firth sitting in third still in with a shout
0: yeah Firth. i mean another u s men's national team connection here as the midfielder julian green is in this first side yeah. um eight goals to assist in twenty eight matches like not just there for the pay i mean he's 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 actually doing stuff there and I mean Footh is a one of the more historic clubs that is um in the mix right now. They won three German championships in 1914, 1926 and 1929. I think that was well before it was called the the Bundesliga. But yeah. um, they played in the Bundesliga for the first time in the uh 2012-2013 season but were relegated and they've remained in that second division ever since. So um yeah, it'll be interesting if V can go the, the whole way and if we have another American that we can, you know, watch and, and root for in Julian Green. Um, yeah, they, they've got decent goal scorers. Brian May 14 goals. I think he's fifth-highest goal scorer in the league, and then Havard Nielsen's got 10. So, yeah, they're, they're a good side. A Bavarian side would be interesting to see another Bavarian side because um, I don't know if there's anyone else besides Bayern right now. I think when uh, Ingolstadt – is Ingolstadt – Bavarian, I can't remember. Uh, uh, yeah, the they are. Down. They are. Yeah, so so it'd be nice to have another Bavarian side, kind of, you know, filling in and and having a Bavarian derby in the in the top flight. So
1: the the teams uh, the team top of the league is unexpected. Um, I would say <laughs> uh, actually the top three are kind of unexpected, given that Vau, Hamburger S is down in fourth, and Daniel Thune just hasn't really been able to figure out since taking over this house of outside, like hasn't been able to get them playing consistently. And yeah, they sit, I mean, they are on the outside of the automatic promotion race and they're three points back in that, in that playoff spot.
0: Yeah. I think actually it's official that they've missed direct promotion now for the third year in a row. And I think, host and Kieler, when we'll get on to them their one went away after beating regensburg i think um yeah but yeah this hamburg side i mean first of all for those who perhaps maybe don't pay that much attention to to german football it is hard to to understate or overstate rather how huge of a club hamburg is they have over eighty four thousand members and they are among the 20 largest football clubs of the world according to forbes yeah. They are in the second division and they play at a 54,000 seater Volksparkstadion. This mm-hmm. is a huge club, multiple league titles, Champions League title in the 80s. Obviously it was a shambles when Hamburg went down because they've got that famous clock that was counting down like yeah. counting their time in the top division having never been relegated and now they've managed to fall short of promotion every season since that shambolic relegation. So yeah, it looks again like they're trying to do it the hard way this season. Um, it even though they have the top goal scorer in the league in Simon Taroda with yeah. twenty three goals at the age of thirty three, so
1: which he has a deal <laughs> agreed to join Schalke on a free at the that. end of the
0: season. <laughs> like, bruh, he he doesn't even have faith.
1: He's like, I want to be. I want to just make sure I'm in the second division. Like, he's like, you I guys have a, a big chance fish
0: in a small pond, and I'm cool with that. <laughs>
1: They probably, <laughs> he probably did it earlier in the season where he's like, whoa, 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 you guys are thinking about going up. Like, I'm just going to attach myself to the team that I know will be here for me.
0: Goodness. Yeah, that's crazy. He did just sign for Schalke. Oh, my God. But yeah, uh, Hamburg, man, they're just, they missed out. Okay, they missed out on promotion by one point last season, bro. Like, yep. the pain that they're feeling at the Volkspark <laughs> is simply too much. So,
1: but yeah, the team, the team top is, is Bochum who another North Rhine Westphalian club, uh, which would mean like half the Bundesliga plays in <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. NRW, but, um,
0: on the banks of the Rhine.
1: <laughs> but Bochum is like traditionally, I mean, they spent a little bit of time in the, in the two thousands in the Bundesliga, um, quickly, you know, back down and, and then back up and, and down to the to the Dritten yeah. Liga, and, they, you know, and they've been all yeah. over the pyramid. Um, but this this addition of Bochum has found its way to the top of the table simply by being the consistent side.
0: Yeah, well, and they score a lot of goals and spread them around. Simon Zeller has yeah. got 16 goals. I think that's good enough for fourth high school score in the league. Robert Zulia, 13 goals. So, yeah, I mean, that that certainly helps. Like you said, they've been outside of the the – top tier for i think over a decade now um i want to say like oh eight
1: oh oh nine or something like that maybe right. was their last season in the bundesliga
0: right 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 it's been a minute so i think what's the most interesting thing about this one uh for waffle bochum is schalke's relegation means that if bochum come up dortmund will still have a rural region rival they're only 20 kilometers apart dortmund and, and bochum so <laughs> i fucks with that
1: <laughs> that's awesome the, and they
0: wear blue, so they could just pretend it's Schalke.
1: <laughs> if you squint, you see, see. You just see.
0: Squint, it looks like Schalke move, Yeah. yeah. So. Oh my god,
1: that's funny. Um, Holstein Kiel are second, and Holstein Kiel are a little bit, a little bit unique in German football in that they, I, they're like one of the furthest north I think sides in Germany because they, they are up there right near the Danish border.
0: Yes, they are... Oh, man, what is the name
1: Schles- the- Schleswig-Holstein. Schleswig-Holstein, yeah.
0: Yes, uh, this club, Holstein-Kiel, has never been in the top flight. And in fact, I don't think there's anyone from Schleswig-Holstein that has been in the top flight. So it would be extremely unique if they come up. And I think a lot of people have gotten to, to hear about this team from their beating Bayern Munich in the snow in the DFB-Pokal yeah. back in January. So... Um, they did, in fact, reach the semifinals before being dumped out by Borussia Dortmund. So they've had a good season on pretty much all fronts. Um, they're a bit different than Bochum in the fact that they're incredibly stingy. Uh, they've allowed yeah. the lowest amount of goals in the league with 27. And they're led by a 32-year-old manager in Oliver Verneur. So... Yeah, I mean, this is just a really interesting club by far the most like unique I think of the ones that are that are vying for promotion. Um and until 2013 this club had spent almost their entire existence in amateur leagues. Yeah. So
1: um
0: And this is yeah.
1: it's worth it's worth mentioning too because I think a lot of people their mind automatically goes to the RB Leipzig of okay, like if a team started in the 5th division and worked yeah. its way up, it probably had some like big money investment firm that came in and like took over and injected a bunch of cash they have just ever since their promotion to the regional league of Nord in 07 08 they've just consistently built on yep. and like even endured a couple of relegations like within that um, and interestingly enough since their promotion to the Dritten Liga in 1213 when they won the regional Liga Nord Um, which is the last amateur division before you reach that fully professional third division. Um, They haven't won a league, uh, but stand to be promoted. So they, they never won the Dritten Liga. They finished second (laughs) and were promoted. Um, So they, they may repeat the feat and make it to the Bundesliga having not won the third or second division.
0: Incredible. I mean, (laughs) at the end of the day, I guess it doesn't matter as long as you're going up, right? Yeah. Um, I do have random trivia about Holstein Kiel. Maybe you know this, Phil, but if you don't, it would blow your mind. So Holstein Kiel are official partners of USL League Two-Side, San Francisco Glens, who are coached by Jimmy Conrad. What? Did you know this? What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they are official partners with the USL League Two-Side. (laughs) <laughs> which actually san francisco glides like you look at their uh branding and they look like they would be partners with growth actually so yeah because it's all that. green
1: right like, yeah, yeah
0: yeah they are partners and i didn't know that jimmy i thought jimmy conrad was still a like, youtube maybe he's doing that and managing i don't probably. know probably uh, did you not know that because i want I, I was hoping you did it i didn't so know I it was an
1: official mind. i didn't know it was an official like partnership <laughs> or anything yeah. that's amazing Hol- Holstein Kiel, shout out to that. They still hold my my favorite. They hold the record for my favorite halftime show ever um, at a at a football match. Which um, in the sixteen seventeen Dritten Liga, them and Dinamo Dresden were the two teams like vying, or actually yeah. it would have been the fifteen sixteen. Maybe it was fifteen sixteen when Dinamo went up. Anyways, Holstein Kiel were like mid table um, and. <laughs> Dinamo played a game up there, uh, where it was freezing cold, like, you know, as you'd expect on the Danish border and (laughs) they had a rock band perform at halftime with no stage. They just like played at midfield. Um, (laughs) and it looked like a local, like hardcore show, just like set up at like at the center circle.
0: So that's like aggressively hardcore football, exactly. I love that. I'm getting on YouTube after this to look at this. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs>
1: I hope amazing. it exists somewhere um it's
0: I think I took wow. a picture
1: of it at the time, but I would have to dig years back into my twitter to find it um wow. but yeah, it's uh <laughs> I may try to find that tweet and i'll I'll uh you know, I'll tag hardcore football in it because it was one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen on a dodgy Dritten league of stream back in the back in the mid tens.
0: When you gave your computer COVID before, oh COVID yeah, the thing
1: one hundred percent tentacles started coming out of my computer. Like,
0: stop it! Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but the the fight the to is like a promotion race. Is fully lit. Yeah. Um,
1: the Would added you
0: like to see oh sorry go ahead. well
1: I was gonna say the added element of this is that the way that promotion is set up in Germany the third place team is gonna play a playoff against the third to last team in the Bundesliga which as it stands is Armenia Bielefeld but Werder Bremen are level on points with Armenia
0: uh, what the Fuck happened to vertebrae? Because I mean, like I feel like <laughs> like two months ago they were having a decent season. Now they're trying to stay up. Like, they, or am I having like a fever dream and they were already shit?
1: Did they sack Florian Kohfeldt? Did that happen?
0: Uh, if they did, then I'm shook. Okay, hold up. We gotta we gotta Google.
1: Oh no, they didn't. No, they, they didn't. didn't. Okay,
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, holy shit, he's one of the like bright spots there. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy, fully crazy, and I expect of Berlin to kind of get get some distance away from the relegation zones cause, or relegation zone because they've got a lot of games in hand. So,
1: but yeah, we could we, see a situation where Greuther uh has to contest with either Armenia or Werder Bremen for a spot in in the top flight.
0: So ideally, who would be your three?
1: Well. I love the idea of Bochum and, and Kiel both going up. Like, I, I really yeah. like the top two um, yeah. because I think it's two, like, non-traditional teams. Um, I think in terms of just, like, the mess, I I do like the idea of how it's val- like, getting into that playoff place because I think yeah. it it amps that, especially if... Man, if the timing can work out where fans could put potentially like be back in the stands at the Volkspark Stadion, like for a playoff, because yeah. yeah. it's a two legged, it's a two leg playoff. So they will get a home game. Um, Wait a
0: minute. So could the playoff potentially be Hamburg Verde Bremen, which is a northern derby? Yeah. Bruh. <laughs> I need it. I need it.
1: That would amp up to eleven, and if there's any shot at fans being there, it would be absolutely just unbelievable.
0: I mean, when Hamburg went down, there were like legit riots. So yes, like scary
1: <laughs> fucking riots. Like Schalke yeah. shit looks tame compared to what went down in in Hamburg when when Hausfau yeah. went down.
0: That was like a whole like incident.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that idea, so we stand. I agree. I agree. Fully. And it's nothing against Furt. If they make it, I'll I'll still root for them to to go up. But
0: yeah, there's no one that I'm like, eh, I don't want you coming up. Like, no, I think, I think they're all like awesome.
1: Shows. Yeah. Well, and and that's just like the vibe in Germany too. Is all of these clubs are really like community focused and you know supporter right. focused. So it's easy to root for them because they, at the end of the day, like they're literally owned by the people so it's like right you're not rooting for like some conglomerate or something
0: right I mean unless it's Leipzig yeah
1: well yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> drink soft drinks conglomerate um,
0: soft drink soft power yeah. <laughs> Oh,
1: <laughs> that's good I like that um, that should be like forget Red Bull gives you wings like <laughs> <laughs> so, soft Jeez. drink, soft power. I love it. Um, well, Spain was the last promotion race we wanted to look at, and it's primarily because of the teams that that either are going up or stand to go up. Um, the Segunda División, um, not the exciting race that, that is going on in Germany by any stretch of the imagination, but Espanol are back in La Liga, and uh, that just feels right.
0: Yeah, yeah, Espanola are are a Primera División club. They secured promotion immediately after being relegated last season. A lot like Norwich City, they kept a lot of their La Liga players. They were a solid squad. Um, They only sold Marco Roca, I think, to Bayern, who has really not made much of an impact there, has been injured a lot. But it always helps when you've got Raul de Tomas, RDT, 22 goals, leading goal scorer. Adriana Ambarba 14 assists. Javi Puado 11 goals, 8 assists. So, I mean, Espanol are just running through the league on the attacking side of things. And, um, you know, I I enjoy Espanol being in the league because I like I like Barcelona derbies with FC Barcelona. Yeah. Um, it always kicks off. You always see Pique, like, calling them Espanol de Cornell and all this stuff. So, <laughs> uh, I, I personally love the when Espanol is in the league so that we can see all that mess. Um, so, they are officially promoted it looks like RCD Mallorca may join them. Mm-hmm. Um, two wins away from promotion, um, and th- that also would be immediate promotion after relegation. Right. I guess the connection here is that they're owned by an American. Yeah. Um, who owns the Phoenix Suns, I believe, Robert Sarver.
1: Yeah, and Steve so, Nash and Stuart Holden, I think, also right. hold like uh interests in-, yeah. interest in the club. Yeah.
0: Didn't Stuart Holden get like a tattoo? of Majorca or something.
1: Probably. <laughs> they, <laughs> it sounds Stu, like him. Stu Holden, Stu Holden got a bunch of shit on the internet for investing in the first place because basically every, you know, a- anyone who advocates like an open system in the U S uh, was like, how can you like shill for MLS on TV and then go and invest money in a team that can get promoted? Like,
0: Right. While saying like, <laughs> we want to build this up and get promoted and all this. Yeah. It's yeah. not a cute look at all. No. Um, but on the footballing side of things, I think it's always nice to have a side from the Balearic islands. Yeah. In the league. Like that's just fun. Um, And actually the Mallorca is a decent side. So
1: Well, in all of, all of the, the regions of Spain, like as you, as you point out, like there's so much history there that goes beyond well beyond football. Um, And the idea right. of, Just a few days ago, like a Valencian side in Levante, you know, taking down a Catalonian giant um, in in Barcelona and these two, you know, former states of the kingdom of Aragon, like (laughs) contesting, (laughs) it all feels so like... High Middle Ages, uh, like in in what's going on, and now the Balearic Islands as well, like getting involved. It's all you know, just Aragon vibes, um, like
0: yes, absolutely,
1: (laughs) the Aragonese premiere, um, (laughs) yeah. So anyways, I mean, how
0: comp- honestly, like off topic, kind of off topic. But the, if if Spain like regionalized their leagues, all those leagues would be competitive as fuck. Like, yeah, they would be crazy. You imagine like a Basque Premier League. Holy shit.
1: <laughs> I would actually I'd actually be super here for a Spanish version of what Brazil does um, with their state, oh, championships, state championships, like in the yeah. in the off-season can Bullshit. you imagine yeah like if it was just clubs from catalonia that all played each other like in a like where you would get a, sh- a chance one to see kind of like the b teams of the big of the big teams yeah. um but you'd also get to see a bunch of like obscure clubs uh from the lower divisions you know competing against the the likes of barcelona and, and valencia and you know Etc., on down the line.
0: So fucking lit. Yes, absolutely. If there's anywhere that can, that can like, you like provide enough quality for state championships, I think it's Spain. Oh my God.
1: That would, that'd be crazy. Like, I would, yeah. The intensity of some of those rivalries, too, is like not really understood because there are some rivalries that exist between clubs that are seemingly like super far away in terms of stature. Yeah. That are just like longstanding. So yeah, that's
0: absolutely,
1: that's a really interesting one. But in the Segunda division, as it stands right now, we do have quite the race still going on for the playoff spots.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think right now what it looks like is a bit of a four-way race between Udia Maria, Leganés, Sporting Gijon and Girona. Now, the latter three have all been in La Liga recently. So I think they all have a pretty good shot kind of pulling for Leganes just because the way they went down last season still like fucks me up (laughs) (laughs) the way that like their two top strikers just got picked off by them and they, there was nothing they could do about it. Um, Almeria, they've, they've made it their life's mission to get into La Liga. They are bankrolled by someone from, uh, the middle east or somewhere i don't remember so, oh yeah so like a saudi prince or something so they're kind of there's some what they call polemica in spain about that i mean it's a little <laughs> bit controversial but uh they're a good side too um that's actually i think where Unai emery started uh his career or early in the early days where he coached but yeah i mean any of these four could potentially get into that playoff spot um so yeah it'll be it'll be ex- exciting as as those uh, that spot starts to like solidify a little bit more, but yeah. Um, either way, it'll be cool to see who comes up.
1: Yeah, Amaria is owned by Turkey Al Sheikh, uh, a Saudi advisor at the royal court under the rank of minister, and the current chairman of General Authority for Entertainment under a royal decree. Um, okay. But anyway, so a Saudi prince is uh, is so in, I wasn't
0: is, wrong. OK,
1: <laughs> is. Yeah, he and his Wikipedia and he's page, he's young. wearing an Almeria kit in a press conference, like announcing him as the majority oh owner. God,
0: there you go. <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyways. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And as you said, a lot of the teams in the Segunda like have all spent time in La Liga, just like rotating through, um, and coming back down and going back up. And yeah, all these teams towards the top have all, well, I mean, honestly, the whole division has like spent some time in, in La Liga, like all of these teams to a certain extent are, are pretty familiar with, you know, with maybe the exception of like the very lower reaches. Um,
0: well, and that makes a lot of sense because, I mean, look at the bottom half of La Liga this year. It's so competitive. Yeah. So there's just a lot of quality in that, like, middle, lower reach of Spanish football generally. I think it was, other than Amarillo, I think it was Gijón who have not been up, like, super recently. But definitely right. in the past, like, five to ten years they've been up. Um, I, I remember that. So, yeah. um, Girona, I don't like... Girona is one of those clubs that I'm like, do you, are you serious or are you just a place for Manchester City to like love players? <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> are you just are, a tax
1: write-off for, yeah, like, for Etihad? You,
0: <laughs> yes, because they are part of that city football group, but uh, they've got good players there too. So
1: At least they haven't renamed them to Girona City FC and
0: oh my god, actually, I think changed their colors is, to
1: blue and white.
0: That's funny that you say that because I think there is, like, a Spanish law that you cannot have English words in the name <laughs> and that, like, athletic and sporting he have, like, special dispensation for that.
1: Uh okay. You
0: have English words. Maybe Because I of their founding. Up. Yeah. Maybe I could included that up. But I think that's legit. I don't know. I mean... It, I'm sure someone will Google it once they hear this.
1: <laughs> I... I... Maybe they, so there'll be Girona or dot girona
0: D-D- <laughs> Which sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah.
1: CGCF. Um, C-G-C-F. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, I guess that brings us to the end of, uh, of some of the promotion, um, the promotion discussion, but if you have a team that you would really want to see go up that we talked about, uh, you know, who, who do you want to see in, in the top flight? I'm really interested to see who, where people's, uh, like sympathies lie, uh, in the second division. And if you're pulling for someone in particular, um, yeah, let us know. Uh, and with that, I think we'll just take a quick break and be back to answer some of your questions. And then we'll close out with our sounds of the season, Spotify playlist. Sounds good. Welcome back. Well, Mika, we'll move on to our listener questions and we had we had a handful. Um and to close out the hat trick from Grant Sunberg, um with his <laughs> his third question. He he asked quality questions. Um, and we we mentioned the Eredivisie at the top of the episode, but he asked, "Which teams do you guys like in the Eredivisie?"
0: Oh, I mean, for me, it's definitely PSV Eindhoven. A um, couple reasons for that: my best friend lived in the Netherlands for many many years, and I visited him there. He lived in a really quaint village just outside of Eindhoven, so everyone there are PSV fans or former Philips employees, so they're very much part of the fabric of the club and. Uh, we got to visit the Philips Stadion, and it was amazing. I mean, I wish I'd been able to go for a game, but the stadium itself, and, like, they have this, like, terrace bar, like, right on the pitch. It was it was a lot of fun, and there were people doing, like, kickabouts and stuff. And, of course, we got to go to the team store. So, yeah, PSV for me, um, just because of the connection I have there and friends I have in the area. But, I mean, there's a lot of, like, in... Dutch football is very interesting. I mean, they've got this kind of, like, big three. I mean, it, it does seem from the outside at times that Ajax are kind of dominant, shall we say. But mm-hmm. um, it seems like more North American talent, especially Mexican talent, is making it over to Eda So a lot of interesting storylines there. But I think I'm partial to PSV for sure.
1: Yeah, I... uh I love that personal connection too, because I think that's, uh, you know, any yeah. time that you get to spend time around a club, especially one with, with the culture around it, like PSV, that is yeah. a, one of those, you know, almost like an English style where it was founded, you know, it's founded by like the employees of, <laughs> yeah. of a company and just builds from there into, into the giant that it is. Um,
0: yeah and I didn't like uh, actually shout out to my friend Tess if she listens to this who she lives outside Eindhoven and she worked for Philips for a while and when I was there the, the we, my friend had a barbecue and the, they were the, all their, his Dutch friends came over and they were explaining how like controversial it was when they took Philips off the te- uh, off the shirts uh, as a shirt sponsor yeah. they were like, this is like unacceptable because <laughs> they've got so they've got something else now like brainport or something like that um, oh but it was like this huge thing when they took Phillips off the shirt. So yeah, very much a, a works club, or at least it was, um, when right. it was founded.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's easy to, to have a soft spot for a lot of Dutch teams. And I, I can't say that I have an allegiance like one way or another. Um, I always think of the players that I like players that either came through the Eredivisie or the Dutch players that I, that I have a soft spot for that, those are the clubs that I kind of are that I'm kind of drawn to. Um, and, you know, Liverpool, when I first became a fan, Dirk Cout was one of, you know, one of those players that was just a fan favorite and everywhere. So he played for Feyenoord um, before he came and he actually went back to Feyenoord when he left Liverpool. It was basically he's like, these are the teams that I will play for is like Feyenoord in Liverpool right. like that's it, um, that's it yeah. and so that that was always very cool and i think Feyenoord just have again like they it's it's typical of dutch uh like football culture but the the fan bases and just like the the culture around it is so positive and it's always seen in such a it's just part of the fabric of of you know what of their everyday life um, and so it's not you know, exclusive to Feyenoord, but I think they just uh, you know, Dirk Kout, like having that connection um always made me like, you know, have somewhat of a soft spot for them. But um
0: And Dutch players do tend to go back and play in the edit I mean we see and Robin still lighting it up yeah. right now at his age and then biking home. Um, yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> at Groningen and uh, Yeah, and,
0: Groningen, yeah and
1: Groningen uh I also have a spot, a soft spot for. Obviously, Groningen has created has or has you know produced some just unbelievable talent over the years. Um, Virgil van Dijk being one of those players. Yeah. So, I yeah. Uh, yeah um, and
0: Luisito, no, like way yeah, yeah,
1: he started at Groningen, like from Uruguay went to went to yeah. Groningen, then Ajax, then Liverpool. So.
0: It was so bizarre watching like old footage of him like speaking pretty good Dutch, like <laughs> Louis <laughs> <laughs> Suarez. Wow, what a player! And and they thought I remember back then when they bought him, they're like, oh, you, you know, you can't replicate that kind of goal scoring from It divisa to the Premier League. And uh, yeah, they have to <laughs> say that the, that was proven wrong,
1: bitch, you thought that's, <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So. Yeah. The air is just, uh, it's a great division. I think Dutch football gets disrespected because of I like dominance, um, you know, or yeah. yeah, as you said, kind of perceived dominance like over recent years, especially. Um, but there's so many quality clubs and just a lot of history, um, and culture there. And it's just, yeah, it's really enjoyable. Um, and a lot of quality like at the end of the day, um, the next question came from Jake Uh He just said, what are the odds we see a Man United style protest at La Mastella? Uh, which for those who don't know is uh, Valencia's uh, stadium. And he said, I for one would love it.
0: Me too. Shit. Please <laughs> go ahead and do it. I mean, the odds are good, I think, because they have been protesting outside the Mastella, um mm-hmm. recently, you know, this week against Peter Lim and Peter Lim came out on the media and said something like he said the quiet parts out loud, you know what I'm saying? Like the things that are like, like basically like I have this club for like influence. I don't actually care. Like, you know, in not so many words is basically what he said. So he's got Valencia fans absolutely fuming uh, and rightly so. So, I mean, the odds of that kind of protest, like I would not put it past Los Che fans at all to break into Mestaya and uh, Make their voices heard, shall we say.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it is interesting because it it came out on the back of those protests in, in Manchester, um just, you know, a couple of days handful of days later, um outside yeah. outside the Mestaya. So yeah. Valencia, I mean, they they're on you know, I think they're I think they're in decent shape in terms of I don't I don't think they'll be relegated or anything like that it'll take a pretty like stunning collapse over the last couple of games um I don't know if it's even I don't think they've secured safety mathematically if so, I'm remembering
0: not, not yeah I don't think but yeah I think there's worse teams than them let's put it that way
1: yeah um They have, oh, they are now mathematically safe. I think the win over the win over Valladolid took them eight points clear. So yeah, they're, they're good. Um, Okay. So (laughs) they can't be relegated, but Valencia fans certainly um, will not be taking survival as like good enough from that, from their club.
0: It's just shocking, like the the amount. I mean, they're I they're like Arsenal vibes, kind of like you're definitely better than this, and it's just not showing through because the ownership is so poor. Um, and it's a a
1: rare have, a rare opportunity for Levante to actually finish above Valencia in the league,
0: which is like yikes.
1: Yeah, and a half.
0: <laughs> Levante are on the come up though. They just like finished renovating this Ciudad de Valencia stadium and trolling the big clubs so yeah they're they're yeah (laughs) they kind of are
1: trolling valencia simply by playing in a stadium named city of valencia yeah
0: there's some there's some who say levante are actually the city's side but i won't get go into that but now now i'm like having an on-air breakdown because valencia and arsenal are so alike it's actually scary (laughs) um like win a cup and think like it's all good but it's yeah. not because your owner sucks and your players are like decent but no one's getting the best out of <laughs> <laughs>
1: scenes scenes when gunnersaurus returns and resurrects as a as a bat
0: <laughs> oh man uh he yeah we have to find the wages for him first <laughs>
1: <laughs> there would be synergy between ozzy uh from El Paso Locomotive and
0: uh For sure. Yeah.
1: Los Merci Lagos and the bat <laughs> at Arsenal. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> um Yeah, I I d I don't know how close we're seeing to see you know to seeing people actually like on the pitch at Mestaya, but it's it's not a good situation with Peter Lim and I do think the pressure is going to be turned up and I, I don't think that he'll be excited by the idea of La Mastaya being full of fans. Um, yeah, and,
0: I mean, and they are going to have fans, aren't they? Um,
1: sooner than later.
0: Granada, or I don't know. I don't remember who they're ho- hosting soon, but they are one of the tier one pla like areas in Spain that can have fans.
1: A bar is their next match and then they close the season against Wisca. So, um, yeah, uh, they'll, well, they're away at whisker. So yeah, they have a chance for, to have fans at home against a bar
0: 5,000 fans.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'll bet all 5,000 of them will be pissed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, the last question of the day came from, uh, at cool. Fernie. He just said, uh, "UEFA being UEFA moving the Champions League final." Um, so, for those who don't know, the final was set to be to take place at Istanbul. There was some discussion as the final got closer, and it was seen that you know no, two English teams were going to be the the participants in the final. There was some discussion undertaken that maybe the final should be moved to Wembley. Uh, Just for the safety, you know, not having to travel across continent unnecessarily. Um, In the end, UEFA landed on moving the final to Porto. um, And which is where last season's final was played. (laughs) And uh, the whole end of season tournament. Kind of weird decision making from FIFA to move the final, but not to a location that's like inherently I guess, like, any less risky for either team?
0: Yeah, I mean, if the if the decision was taken because of COVID, then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, I mean, the Estadio Dragao is a nice place to stage a final, I guess. I don't know. Like, the Turkish... <laughs> the, I think the problem with having it in Turkey was that they're actually, like, restricting people because of COVID. So it's like, right. why that doesn't make sense if you're going to have fans and not even have people allowed in the country. So, I mean, I kind of get that. And it is kind of far flung compared to Portugal, which is like more on, you know, Western Europe. So, yeah, I don't know. But also at the same time, I I don't know why I felt some type of way about people thinking like it was like their right to have it at Wembley. Like that, I don't know why I thought that was kind of bizarre too. Like,
1: yeah, you don't win, like, home field advantage or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: then that would just become a whole narrative in and of itself, having the final in London when Chelsea's involved, like, yeah. you know, when that wasn't previously the case. So, right. I mean, it is kind of strange, but, yeah. I think it is UEFA just being UEFA for any. <laughs> so. Yeah.
1: I personally, I mean, I personally think that they, once Liverpool didn't qualify, uh, they basically had to move the final from Istanbul. yeah. Because there's really only no more one
0: narrative. No more narrative.
1: Yes. As soon as Liverpool were out they they probably started discussions of, Hey, we know that this is where this is headed. We had a whole thing planned for like playing a bunch of videos of the three, three and you know, Stop <laughs> no, um, they're like, we'll try again next year. We'll next see time. if Liverpool can, get it together by then. Uh, No, (laughs) no, it is. It, it totally is UEFA being UEFA. And I feel like they almost were like, yeah, you know, we, we stored a bunch of our stuff from the, from the 2020 like mini tournament in (laughs) like in the stadium and everything. So it's already in Portugal. Like we may as well just, you know, we can dress it up again
0: about having it at like Villa park, which I was like, why? (laughs) Like,
1: I, they should have I mean, done nothing that.
0: Nothing wrong with Villa Park. It's just like I think it has to be a Category Five stadium, yeah. isn't it?
1: I think, like, oh. I think Which is without, why like
0: Anfield couldn't have a final, for example. Right? Yeah, yeah. it's not.
1: It's not. Uh, the capacity is not large enough to for it to host a final. Um, right. I think that's. A, I think there's also something about like pitch size, um, or something mm. like that, where a lot of English grounds don't qualify because the stands are too close to the pitch. Um, Oh, okay. And that's why you normally see it played in the stadiums that have like the tracks around the side and and everything. Um, It's a capacity thing too, but um, but anyways, uh, I was thinking, I was thinking like UEFA missed a trick staging games in like crazy small stadiums during the pandemic and just like. Like how cool would it have been for like a random Champions League game to have been played at like an amateur side stadium like in a <laughs> random neighborhood because it's like we can't funny. have fans anyways at, so like,
0: like <laughs> fucking I don't know we're like Rayo Vallecano players so
1: <laughs> Yeah. I I was saying just like one of these like small village stadiums just like out of the way.
0: I thought that was what kind of um I thought I saw some things about people be unhappy with the fact that Real Madrid were playing their, their campaign at yeah. Stefano. So there's that flip side of people being like, this feels tin pot, but
1: <laughs> like yeah, the whole no, season kind of feels be, tin pot, bro, because truly, truly, <laughs> there's no
0: like, fans. Be yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: It's brutal. I just think it would have been funny if like you, for some of these teams to play in like, just like. I don't know, like smaller conditions, you know, make them change like on the bus and shit and
0: <laughs> no AC in the locker rooms and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's I don't funny. know. I just, I just think that's funny. Like just seeing some of the, just having that image of like, you know, yeah. These giant clubs having to like play in like basically like travel, travel tournament vibes. <laughs> Um uh. but yeah, UEFA UEFA certainly being UEFA. Um as for us though, we close out every episode with some additions to the sounds of the season playlist which you guys can find on Spotify. Um we add a couple of songs that that normally live up to the hardcore football name, you know, just like alternative music. Uh so we pick stuff from all kinds of genres and added each week we've got a bunch of stuff on there so we appreciate you guys who have followed along and uh and throw the throw the playlist on for you know working out or drives commutes whatever um nice little nice little addendum to the podcast so mika what what are you running with uh this week in terms of your additions to the to the playlist
0: yeah, well, one thing I love about Spotify is that it it lets you know an artist you like have new music, so yep. I got the notification the other day that Atreyu had new music, and I haven't fucked with Atreyu since, like, high school, so I was like, ah, oh, let me check this out, and actually, their, like, EP is pretty decent, um... It's a departure, I think, from some of their old stuff. Not as much screaming, but still very like good, I think. And so I've gone with Catastrophe by Atreyu, which is a new song by them. It's it's very catchy, maybe a little bit generic, you might say, but I, I still liked it. I still enjoyed it. So I threw them on there for old time's sake. And then the other one is also a new song from my favorite band of all time, uh, lower definition. It's called Grief Eater, and it's just their their brand new song. They've reunited after so many years Um not making music together. So um, they are back on the scene. And so I thought I'd just throw both of those on there for, I don't know, just like high school vibes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Like they're bringing it back and it's interesting yeah. to see the bands that took the, took the pandemic as a chance to like come back together. Um, right. Cause there's like an equal amount of bands that probably use the pandemic as a reason to break up. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, what do you got for us, Phil?
1: I got a couple of, I didn't go with new stuff. So I've been going with new stuff a lot more recently. Um, mm. So I went back just a little bit, like I didn't go classic. I just went back like, you know, maybe like five years or in one case, Not like you. two, two to three years. Um, the first song that I picked was from a band that like, to me, I immediately associate with like, the height of scene culture, <laughs>
0: okay. which was
1: icy stars uh yes. w- who were like a electronic like hardcore whatever i don't scene band that you I don't, whatever you want to call it um <laughs> but they really like grew up in the sense that they they stuck with the electronic stuff, but they kind of brought it into like modern electronic sounds like rather than just like whatever Nintendo sounds from like
0: eight bit, like, yeah. <laughs> Shikari type shit.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, so I put their song mobbing out, um, which just has this really cool, like it has this really cool kind of dynamic between it starts really quiet and then it just kind of like gets intense. Um, but it's got just a cool mix of like rock and electronic, uh, to it. So it's just, it's just interesting. And they're new or they're one of their newer albums. I, I don't know if it's their newest album, but they have an album called Treehouse. that like the first time I heard it, I was like, eh, I don't know. And it actually really grew on me. And there's a lot of like really good stuff in there. So, uh, mobbing out is one of the songs that I, that I really like off that album. Um, love it. And then the other one that I pulled was the devil wears Prada. Um, and it was another case of, this is a band that I associate with the height of the scene. Oh, um, um, yeah. <laughs> but I chose like their most recent full length um, in preparation for them dropping the zombie EP two, uh mm. here over the summer or I guess like next this month later this month. I think it drops um, and I picked the heaviest song from their last record um, called The Act uh, and the song is called The Thread. And it's just like it was one of those things where their sound has changed a lot, like over the years, and they've had a lot of member changes and all this stuff. Um, But this song in particular was one of those where you listen to a new album and there's a lot of good stuff, but it's it's different than what you're used to. Um, right. And you have a song that just like catches you in a certain way where they've done something different from what you're used to, but in a way that just like really connects Um, and the thread is just like, it's just super, it's just a super heavy song at its heart, but it's just so well done. Um, and I really love that song, uh, off an album that at first, again, it like kind of grew on me just because it was different from what they'd done in the past. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I really, I really enjoy both those, both those songs for like deviating from what I was used to, but in a way that was like new, interesting and good at the end of the day.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. Well they are now up on the playlist, which is over a hundred songs deep. So
1: let's go anyone,
0: <laughs> anyone going on a road trip or anything, like pop the playlist on and you'll be good for like seven hours. Um yeah. Uh the Devil Words product though, they're so they are like epic scene times. Like oh, I love for them, sure though. I, and, uh, you know what? Hardcore football is just out here resurrecting bands.
1: Yes, we need to talk about this. So <laughs> last week, Mika put a band on the playlist in our last episode called Chunk No Captain Chunk, who hasn't put out music for several years. And I hit the timeline, and they drop a new song like three days later or whatever, like <laughs> whatever, just a handful of days after we, after we published that episode.
0: Yeah, and actually like the devil was proud too, like recently we're like coming out with this EP and I think I noticed it on like hardcore football's timeline. So yeah. I hope we're having like a new wave of like the scene because please, like after what we've it. been through, I just want to like <laughs> <laughs> go back and be a teenager again.
1: I uh, know. And the, the cool thing too, in terms of like live events, the devil is proud when they drop this new EP are doing like a live stream where they're performing the whole EP and then, like a bunch of other songs, um, nice live. And then like, so you can like,
0: they better play like Texas is South or, Oh man, dude, like all that shit.
1: Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. And, uh, if you did give us a, a follow on, on Twitter at at HXC football and, uh, check out hardcore football on, on all the major podcast platforms. And, uh, yeah. Keep an eye on, on these, on these promotion races, uh, the rest of the way, see which teams are, are joining your, your favorite leagues that you follow. And, uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on them and keep you updated. And, uh, yeah, uh, until next time, hopefully everyone is, uh, is doing well. Um, seems like things are opening up a little bit. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we're moving in the right direction and back towards, uh, being able to go to some of these games live in person. Um, But until then, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time.
0: Peace.